Hi there, welcome back to another episode of FinTech Walkabout. Again, I'm Will, where we're deep diving into interesting people's stories within the realms of FinTech and open banking. Uh, joined today by a challenger in the payment space, changing the way people get paid. Uh, John, it'd be great to get a quick intro on you and on SteadyPay. Hey, uh, John Downing, CEO and founder of SteadyPay, or JD as a lot of people seem to call me. Makes it easier. Uh, Your choice, I know. Running out random yeah. names. <laughs> yeah. I get uh, Will Bill all the way, time. Yeah, exactly. So from a SteadyPay standpoint, we uh, started that about five years ago as a disruptive force in you know, how people get paid. What we saw was a massive rise in gig and flexible work. And mm. with that rise in gig and flexible workers, they were being fundamentally discriminated against by you know, traditional lenders and banks. You know, if you went to a bank and asked to borrow money but had flexible income, no. no. If, you, uh, t you know, if you were an immigrant uh, or from a different country perhaps, uh, also no. So for us, we ended up creating a, a solution which has ended up morphing into a set of financial products to help uh, flexible workers get paid faster, quicker, better, and more fairly so mm -hmm. they're not being you know, hit with massive interest rates, etc. So obviously not a British accent. So is that like a personal pain point that you've that they've come, come across? Yeah. The, so the good news uh, originally from, uh, from, New, from New Zealand, uh, I think the personal pain point is when people think I'm Australian, um, <laughs> they, uh, so did a lot of work across Australia and New Zealand in, in, in the early days for consulting a lot of banks, saw ha the lack of innovation being driven by a lot, of, a lot of the banks, even though they really wanted to but couldn't, yeah. um, and even, even when they wanted to fund it, they got mired in eternal politics, a lot of, a lot, a lot of problems, and, so, and for me, you know, coming to the UK was a natural step with open banking okay. and the ability to access things, so we just sort of, you know, there's a few things that we required to make SteadyPay successful. The three things for us were we needed a forward-thinking regulator, which the FCA five years ago was. <laughs> we'll talk more about that later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the um, open banking, so access to people's tra transactional data, because mm -hmm. that's how we were going to, and we do uh, process risk, and um, you know, access to capital. So you know, it's, it's gotten better across Australia and New Zealand, but in yeah. reality, you know, raising, raising funds is tricky everywhere. Um, and was definitely more difficult and, and still yeah. is difficult in the smaller markets. And so not the US because of the regulator, not Australia because of the cash, or and so, and the UK so, because it was a yeah. nice kind and, of... And so Australia, Australia New Zealand, um, the banks are fundamentally an oligopoly, mm. um, despite what anyone tells you. I'm sure they, they meet at a private club and decide what the interest rates are. Yeah. Um, and for, for, for them, you know, while open banking has eventually arrived, they've done quite a good job of lobbying it to water it down so it's actually nowhere near as good as it could be. Mm. Interesting, because the narrative is we're actually, well, I say we, those down under are actually campaigning for open data as a concept as opposed to just open banking. And, and it's, it sounds great at a, uh, at a high level and as a marketing call. Mm. If I was working for one of the big banks in their marketing team, uh, or in their making people feel better team, yeah. uh, I'd, I'd say that. Similar, similar to the banks here and, and, and down there around the cost of living crisis, if you look at the helpfulness of the tools they provide, there are mm. none. Um, well, thankfully TSB are providing AppTap, so you know, they're doing all right. Well, this is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, so consulting at large financial institutions, that's how it all started. Right. You know, what was the focus? Let's talk about you a little bit before we talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, for, so, so for me, uh, focus was uh, a lot of work with, uh, with banks um, and uh, large insurance companies, uh, you know, doing big uh, custom solutions for them in terms of, you know, most of them found that they 
in those days, I think it's got a little bit better now, but in those days, you know, 10 plus years ago, there was very little off-the-shelf software that was actually fit for purpose. Mm. Um, especially for you know, mid-sized you know, or smaller markets. You could buy something giant from Microsoft or SAP or something, but in reality, it would cost you a fortune to customize it. You may as well just build it yourself. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of it was doing, you know, doing that type of thing, and what I ended up doing off the back of that was then founding uh, my own consulting business across Australia and New Zealand, which specialised in information management, or, you know, as I think about, as, as I now know, you know, back then we called it stochastic modelling. Nowadays we call it AI and machine learning. Um, <laughs> so if I'd read Badger then, I think that's, I would have got, a, I think I, I think I would have got a bit better exit multiple. That's a man who's been doing some funding yeah. rounds, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> AI, ML, built in, built in, the core. Exactly. So what was that transition like, moving from the kind of big and clunky, let's say, into the small and nimble world of you know, fintech startup? So I think it was the, great, the transition for me step was transitioning to my own consulting business and scaling that from sort of zero to 50 people was, cool. sort of, was that initial learning of, you know, starting a business with zero customers, zero staff, yeah. um, and, you know, taking it somewhere. Now, obviously, it wasn't building a product. You know, we were fundamentally selling, you know, consulting services. But that was sort of the first taste and you know, how that worked, how you built a pipeline, how you managed a pipeline of, of um, of customers, how you, you know, recruited and hired people into your new firm that has, you know, no name and no relevance to other people as, yeah. opposed, to, as opposed to somewhere else they could, they, they could work. Um, and then, you know, so that was sort of, a, I'd say, a grounding and then moving into the, the fintech world ended up as a, I'd say a, a secondary step. So between exiting the consulting business and um, you know, starting SteadyPay, I was sort of thinking about what, I, what the next move was. And you know, parachuted back into a couple of the banks to help them out with some of their credit risk uh, okay. and innovation projects. So they were trying to do innovation, and they, and they tried really hard. Tried really hard. They, put, they poured a lot of money into it. They were trying to incubate startups within the, within the, within the, within the bank, um, and even the ones that got reasonable traction would flame out after a year or two, and they fl tended to flame out fundamentally due to internal politics. Um, and most of the most of the people on the, the on the, on, the, on the, the business side of the startup within the bank were actually focused on uh, internal politics, not on the startup, which is also a bit weird. But yeah. God, things have changed so much. No, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so you dipped your toes in. Um, was it no money? Um, uh, so dip, yeah, no, 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 yeah, so yeah, no, no money was a, was was an early, was an early days uh, early, early days attempt. So you know, once I'd once once I'd finished the uh, consulting, or even while, while I was doing some of it, what we were seeing was you know a few people were giving me the the, the not so subtle you should probably do another another business hint. <laughs> um, Please go away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we really like you, but. Yeah, be gone. So much that we think you should do. Something. Yeah, so much yeah. that you should do something else. Yeah. The um, and so we originally looked at, at no money. I, I still laugh to this day because I get this sort of video online of sort of the, the UX. It was very much a uh, digital bank, um, and you know, in that sort of era, around that time that everyone was sort of starting a starting a, a neo a neo, a neo bank. And the UX looks like Starling. It's quite funny. I mean, obviously, you know, develops in complete isolation, but sort of funny. It looks like it's yeah. very similar to Starling's UX. Um, but what I realized then is when we were kicking that one off and having initial conversations, if you're really looking to, uh, to launch, I'll say, a really big startup, um, it, you, you, it needs to not be your first, maybe even not even your second exit. 
So if you look at a lot of people that you, you see now, oh, aren't they doing fantastically? So um, we'll take a you know, random example in the market. So uh, Julian at WeFox. WeFox is doing fantastically well. You know, German's first you know, one of the unicorns, growing spectacularly, real insurtech disrupt, disruptor. It's like a second or third startup. And mm -hmm. even he'll tell you that he couldn't have done it yeah. without doing the others first because he wanted to, to disrupt insu the insurance industry and he knew that just straight off the bat he was going to need tens of millions. So he needed an investor that was going to back him for tens of millions on a pre-seed. You need that clout. Yeah, and so you have to have that clout before, before, you, before you do it. So I think we sort of shopped around the, 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 the no money or you know, sort of a neobank type concept and quickly realised that without that clout and without that industry trust and without those relationships to quite large pots of investment cash, yeah. you were unlikely to, uh, to, make it, to make it fly. To kickstart it. Yeah. yeah. Well, Anne talks about that, Starlings Anne, yeah. um, on her podcast with Steve, Stephen Bartlett. I don't know if you've seen that, but it's actually, you know, I know Tom and Anne did their kind of back and forth through Stephen, which is those two episodes. I'm not a huge um, Actually, ironically, having sat here talking about talking on a podcast, I'm not a huge podcast listener or watcher, um, but it was one of the few I watched, and I thought that kind of back and forth between them. I mean, Tom's a similar story, right? Multiple successes, and, and went to start Monzo. Exactly, and it's, always, and it's interesting. I like that you can. I actually like that story in the sense you get to see the two very different personality archetypes come come, come out. It's the same problem I'm, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I, is either one right or wrong? No. They just have a very different opinion yeah. um, on, on, on things. That's a nice political answer. That well, ex 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 exactly. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, mean, the, the, I think in the heat of, well, you know, we use a funny example of the, the, the over-dramatised, in the heat of battle, people will do and say things they probably regret later. So let's talk to Steady Pay. Um, not on the theme of regretting things you do in the heat of battle. <laughs> uh, so can you just give us a rundown? What exactly are you building? Uh, it talks about helping people, freelancers, um, gig economy workers get paid. What does that look like? Yep. It's, it's, it's yep. wage smoothing. So uh, yeah, yeah. So I'd it. say our, we, we always had a, a, a longer term, bigger, bigger vision, which was, sort of, which was to help both uh, gig or flexible workers and, biz and businesses you know, with sort of an overall sort of financial solution. But the initial thing that we wanted to create was something that solves a significant and meaningful pain point. Mm. Uh, which was income volatility. So for uh, those that get paid or you know, have any sort of get paid by the hour, the shift, the gig, um, you know, that, that, that week to week or month to month or day to day, depending on when they get paid, it can be you know quite quite lumpy. Um, so what we wanted to do is remove, but remove those peaks and troughs and ensure that they could then start to sort of stop living paycheck to paycheck and actually think forward. So. And ultimately, what, what it creates is a level of psychological safety for those people to be able to actually now I can budget with confidence. A lot of them wouldn't think of it as budgeting, yeah. but actually that's what allows that's, allows yeah. allows them to do. So that income smoothing product is sort of our, our, our flagship, it still, it still is, but in order to be able to do income smoothing, we knew we were going to need either one, one more products and two, a different way of working with, 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 those, with those customers to mm. one, you know, assess the risk, Assess their affordability, make sure we're meeting all our compliance obligations, keep the FCA happy, etc., etc., etc. Otherwise, you know, if you were if we were just doing all, oh, let's hit a credit reference agency, get a credit score. Yeah, another payday loan. It's just it's just, it's just, not, it's just another payday loan. Yes, mate, it wrapped in a fairer 
subscription model. So, you know, we like to think of it as sort of Netflix for credit. Okay. And, you know, as opposed to uh, any other sort of lenders, you know, interest. I like to say compounding interest is only your friend if you're an investor. Um, it's, it's so can you, can you talk to the model a little bit? So it's, you know, I borrow, I get 500 pounds a week. Yep. Um, I've got 300 this week because I was sick or whatever. I borrow 200, I'm paying, what, seven pounds a week, is it? Yep. So, um, you, so, so I mean, you know, we use an easy example I quite like is let's say you normally get, uh, you know, 2,500 a month. Yep. And matches your pay cycle weekly, fortnightly, monthly. Let's say you get 2,500 a month. This month you get two thousand, so you're five hundred short. We'll advance you the five hundred to make up the make up the difference, and you'll generally pay that back over the next, I say three to five months. And the reason I say three to five is because if you have another down period, you actually can get another top up. So it's sort of okay. You know, the it looks like three payments, but actually it usually takes about five months to get to, to get yeah. repaid. And as long as people are paying a subscription, that's the idea. That the 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 idea is the solution smooths smooths your income, and you don't need to worry too much about. Where you're sitting at in terms sure. of in terms in terms of overall balance, and yes, yeah, seven pounds a week now. So it's, um, so it's almost an APR, but it's not. It, like if you look at it throughout the year. Co- correct. So I mean, you, you know, for, from an FCA's perspective, you know, we, we have to publish a publish an APR. APR is one of those things that's it's an interesting calculation, and you know, some 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 businesses do it well, some businesses do it badly. Some people, you know, ultimately you have to say it's a cost of credit. Yeah. Um, and you know, and for us, here's here's the cost of credit. What we actually found is that. Um, a, a large chunk of our customers, because it's you know that, that back to that sort of three to five months, they're using it a lot during the year. So over the course of the year, while the maximum balance is a thousand pounds, they'll actually tend to use more than a thousand pounds during the year. Okay. So depending, it's, it, it, it's, well, it depends how you want to calculate calculate APR. Okay. So it almost acts as a like a subscription based overdraft. Al- almost. So yeah. I think what we've found is that for us. Um, you know, financial products, as you probably see, are not mutually exclusive. So, I think, no. oh, what are you com- what are you competing with overdrafts? Not really. You know, some of our customers have, have got them, no. and it's about how you how you use them. I think and nowadays, seeing that the majority of banks' overdrafts are either forty or fifty percent interest. If you're sitting in your overdraft, paying forty or fifty percent interest, you're paying you know somewhere between two to five pounds per day. Now, it doesn't sound like a lot, then obviously yeah. you start adding it up and you go, oh, it's two to five pounds a day over the course of the year is actually a, a massive amount yeah. of money that we're generating for, the, in, generating for the bank. Or you can get a flat fee, like steady pay, for seven pounds a week. So the idea is trying to get people away from those higher cost solutions. Yeah. And in this case, you know, in that example, overdraft, or a really high cost credit card, or a payday loan, or even the borrowing from friends and family, which is super stressful. Yeah. And while your friends might not charge you interest, they also might not talk to you again if you don't pay them back. Um, I got two questions off the back of this, uh, but you mentioned validating affordability, the ability to pay that actually actually pay that back, um, as well as what their income looks like. How are you, is that open banking then? Is that yes, finally make it relevant to the but, open banking. Yeah, yeah, Whoa, and, we, and we got there. Um, so from it, we we 100. So we knew that we needed um, a different approach to sort of credit risk and affordability. Our original hypothesis was that we could take uh, transactional banking data. And uh, you know, make our risk and affordability assessments based off that. So, as opposed to people filling in a form, which would have been you know very old school, or um, you know, some of them are trying to submit some data and do some sort of weird, you know, weird, weird thing, and making it very transparent and easy for for our users. Connect your bank account. Less than a second later, the, the, the system can you know one tell you yes and a no, but also tell you tell you a lot more about yourself. So it's that ability to. Eventually, we'll talk more about later. You know, provide some level of, of financial guidance. 
um, but also actually being able to pull in all those transactions. Now uh, we pull them into a, a, a our machine learning model. It's a set of mini models. We can talk in lots of detail in terms of how, 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 it, how it does it. Um, we're you know, big fans of explainable AI. So for us, we pull in a lot of data. We've pulled, we, you know, we make that sort of we make those sort of general risk and affordability decisions. Um, and you know, I think nowadays, if you see a lot of the FCA's guidance, a lot of it is 100% aligned towards affordability. So you yeah. need to be make, you know, it's, it's on it's on the it's on it's on the lender to make sure that you know you actually make if you're giving money to someone that they can actually afford it. Now, yeah. good news, all they're paying is seven pounds a week in terms of subscription, so it's not some sort of scary compounding interest, but at the same time, they should be able to afford to repay it. Yeah. Uh, so they have to be able to repay a thousand pounds? Well, so they have to have the capacity to be able to repay a thousand pounds over, 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 over time, yeah. and for any you know, individual loan, you know, loan air quotes, um, you know, if we were advancing you know, four or five hundred, you know, their, their situation needs to, look, needs to look good. The beauty for us of using the open banking approach and feeding that into our risk engine is that we can continually re-underwrite in real time. Okay. So for us, it's a continual process. So it's not an under it's not an underwrite at time of lending. It's an underwrite and then an ongoing monitoring of that, so that default that, that risk is financial situation exactly. Yeah. Um, and our you know long term vision is to make much more of that information available to our to our users in a consumable way. So the interesting thing for us is that all of our users come to us with the you know, we've asked them, do you want graphs? Do you want PFM stuff? And the answer is no. Yeah, they, they, they all want that. that their, their, their line is, can you do it for me? Yeah, it's, it's that. And we get the same thing, right? Like, toe that line between education and automation. Exactly. So you see a lot of startups like, oh, we're we going to do financial education. And I'm like, well, I, I admire what, you th what you're thinking, but actually it's that it has to be that balance between education and automation. And, and they'll... They want the information, but it's almost and the power to say yes or no. Yeah. But ultimately, you know, a little bit of education is get baked into it, but automation. Yeah, one hundred percent agree. Um, and so that takes me to my second question, which is potentially controversial. Um, do you think this kind of thing is reflective of how BMPL might evolve? Because there are, I mean, it's a bit of a shit show, isn't it, at the moment? So uh, yeah, so B BMPL, especially in the consumer space, um, is morally is currently recasted as morally hazardous. Uh, <laughs> uh, stealing that. Uh, I'm stealing that. Right. Um, and you know, the, the, the reason for that is that as you know, startups are, are by their very nature push regulation or regulation follows startups into a particular area. So BNPL, you, you, know, you can see the stats in the sense that BNPL has taken revenue away from credit cards and, 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 other, and other sources. From the merchant's perspective, it makes complete sense. I can increase my basket size, sell more stuff, get paid. Woohoo! Um, from the consumer side, unfortunately, back to you know, people not necessarily taking that step back to look at their holistic financial picture, yeah. it makes it easier for them to overspend. And that's that, that's where we get to the moral, the moral, the moral hazard, hazard, hazard of it. And at the moment, BNPL providers haven't been regulated and have been able to sort of get you know been getting away with it. As they move towards regulation, like many industries that sort of you know starting out unregulated, crypto is another example. They'll all eventually end up with a level of regulation if they want to be mainstream and yeah. mainstream and successful. So I think what we'll see is a lot of those BMPL players that want to be successful in the future um, will have to adopt a risk and affordability approach, whether they build it, buy it, partner for it, yeah. like any of the above. Just found the, the subscription model. Obviously, given the, the nature of that tap, um, pretty interesting, right? Compared to 
yeah, the, the, the kind of classic lending or compound it's, interest model. Exactly, and I think it's, it's, an, inter it's an interesting space. So I remember when we originally um, spoke to, to the FCA about it, and we said, oh, actually, you know, there's a percentage of our we had, you know, some beta customers we weren't really charging, but you know, it, it, even mm. as time went on, we found that there was a percentage of our customers that treat it like an insurance product. Mm. You know, in the sense that you know, people who have Netflix and don't really watch it very often, unless it's a show they really, they really want to watch. And we spoke to them, we spoke, spoke, to, spoke to them in sort of you know, surveys, because initially they started, oh, this is a churn risk, people are not using your product. And what we found is those people actually like, oh, for the price, it's, I just, I, it's, I, I'm happy to know it's there if I need it. So unlike income protection insurance, which you know, insurance companies seem to not want to pay out if they can get away with it. Yeah. Uh, you know, for, 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 for us, we'll, you know, whatever the reason you got, you know, system detects you got paid less, you want the money? Just lock it in. Lock it in. Yeah. So, it's, so I think it's an interesting scenario for those customers that actually they can, you know, feel, they feel more protected because they know yeah. they, that, they, that they're going to get it. And for us, I mean, I mean, we didn't mention it earlier, but the industries that we've found is actually quite broad in terms of the, you know, we originally thought, oh, we're going to be Uber drivers and you know, traditional gig workers, maybe a bit of hospitality. Turns out it's hospitality, retail, healthcare, construction, logistics, uh, and the British Army, because who knew? Um, <laughs> yeah, I would not have guessed. Me either. Yeah. Um, Fair enough. It's strange that, isn't it? We, we starting AppTap have always felt like, oh, we're going to cater to the, the classic fintech. Oh, we're, we're targeting late millennials, Gen Z, that sort of thing. Uh, ended up in a, a very different demographic, uh, but the, these are the people who are like truly engaged and keeping an eye on their budget and you know wanting to manage their bills and, and switch things, optimize spend. So um, you have to cater to it, don't you? Um, but open banking. So talked a little bit about the data. What about the payments, right? So I mean, you're a payments business. Seems like you're using the AIS, the account information services, for a fair amount, yep. um, are you using the PIS stuff, the payment initiation? Uh, so we are authorised for it, yep. um, but uh, historically we haven't, we've, we've, well so far we've done very little with it. So I think what we see in the future, and I think it's you know, true across the board, as account-to-account uh, -account payments becomes uh, more reliable and robust, and it lowers, it lowers the overall transaction cost. So when you think about, you know, for us from a unit economics perspective, sort of the transaction costs, because there's lots of small yeah. but frequent yeah. payments, transaction costs are actually quite a high component of our unit economics. So being able to lower that over time with like the account to account is actually yeah. a, is, is, is a good thing. At the moment, we tend to use uh, uh, selection providers and APIs to sort of make a lot of our make a lot of our payments. But you know, over time, like a lot of areas, you, you can either continue to partner or subsume. But I think for us, what, you know, I like to think is the the FinTech is fundamentally a, a quite a big ecosystem of uh, startups and businesses that actually want to help each other, and therefore, ultimately, if you sort of pull it together, will actually help uh, you know, other pe other people as well. Yeah, it does seem like we'll potentially start to see some kind of consolidation happening in the space, especially right. given where the market's at, yeah. valuations and things. Uh, yeah, I, I think that sort of is, is you know, almost, almost, almost guaranteed. And as you start to see some of the, you know, the, we'll say bigger players and the, whether, you know, whether they were darlings or not, um, you know, they're going to need to, whether Klan needs to drive better in affordability, whether, you know, Monzo and other neobanks need to drive more in terms of additional products and, you know, monetization. Yeah. You know, I think, the, you know, but they've got enough Size, except for that, they can drive quite a bit of acquisition to put to pull yeah. on to pull on those. Now we've seen Starlink doing it already. Yeah. Really, really. So, um, VRP, it's an interesting one. I yes. mean, that's yeah. Yeah. What's your? Because it's it's 
sounds perfect, right, for what you're up to. It, 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 it does, and you know, I remember when more you know, than when, three banks had it. Like. When, it, when, it, when, it <laughs> when it was first announced, I was, when it was first announced, I was like, oh, variable, love it. Yeah. This, this sounds, but this sounds perfect. Let, 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 let's, let's deep, let's, let's deep. go. Let's yeah. go. Let's go. Let's go. It's, it, it's, it's live. Brilliant. <laughs> and oh, but not really. Yeah. So I mean, it's, it, to me, it's, it's like the early days of open banking when open banking first went live, and there were uh, you know numerous banks that if you looked at the stats had like sixty percent availability. Yeah. Um, you know, most of them have gotten better now, with a few exceptions. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not naming any names. Nope. And but I mean, so a VIP is the same. It's like oh, brilliant, great solution. We'll love it when when, more, it, when it actually happens. Yeah. And and and, that, and that's I think this is a frustrating thing for us in in, in, in startup land is that. In general, there's lots of areas where we can move quickly, and when we see a new initiative like that, we'd love to jump on top of it. But then you see that actually the industry adoption's lower, or the dates keep sliding, which is it gets, can get really frustrating. So, oh, yeah. it's going to be this date. Oh, it's going to be this date. It's going to be this date. Yeah. Just give me a long stop. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. Tell me. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Um, so, okay, you've got the combination of payments and uh, account information services. Do you think, you know, between the two, you're essentially saying we can get an understanding of who you are, consumer, your affordability, your willingness or ability to pay us back, um, as well as then help you make said payments. Um, do you think we're making credit scores obsolete or is this something that kind of enhances the credit score? So I think that you need to play in, in both spaces. And mm -hmm. so we've, we've expanded out the engine to handle both individuals and businesses. So we need businesses because we're seeing a lot of early stage businesses that were struggling to sort of yeah. access things. Well, so it makes yeah, sense that we found that a one-person web designer is the same as a three-person web design business. We sort of look at it that way. That's interesting, yeah. Um, and then I think while I'd love to make those sort of you know prophetic announcements of we're, we're, we're making credit scores obsolete and you know, there's, there's business out there that, that are driving to do that, I think what we're, you know, there's plenty of places around the world, US being a good example, is if you don't have a FICO score, you're not a real person. Um, you know, even in the UK, you know, if, if you eventually want a mortgage or want to borrow money, you, you need at least a good, en a good enough credit score. Yeah. So I tend to sort of Think of it more as a as, as an augmentation or the ability to ability to do both. It would be great if you know we could ma make them obsolete or at least you know drive the the, the credit bureaus to uh, you know to take into consideration a lot more data. They're a little bit slower and they'll they'll eventually get they'll, they'll eventually get there. But at the same time, there are areas where you're seeing people try and drive you know building credit um, and saying oh well, you know we'll build you know uh, we'll build your credit score. Um, by reporting some random payments. Mm. The, the bad news is that from a lender's perspective, what builds, you know, what, what they want to see is payback of a loan. Um, and from a credit reference agency's perspective, what hits your credit score the most in terms of positive impact is repayment of a loan. Now, whether that's a credit card or whatever it happens to be, and there's you know, some nice guidance around you know, what, what to take out when, it's what's required to do it. Now, it's not necessarily what people want. I mean, I've no. given plenty of people yeah. early, in their, uh, early in their lives, you know, oh, 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 my credit score's not very good, you know, I'm 21, you know, what do I do? Oh, well, you should get a credit card, but I don't want a credit card, you know, yeah. I, I don't want to get into debt, I don't like debt, it, you know, it's, it's scary, it, which is all 100% correct. Yeah. Well, here's the education automation game, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. Why would I get into debt if I can afford it not to? Yeah, ex exactly, yeah. And, so and, and, and that's the thing, whereas, you know, at 21, I can afford, I don't want to get into debt, and I don't need to get into debt, but 31, if you want to buy a house, you need to have 
had debt. Had debt. Had, had debt and paid. Had debt and paid it. Had debt and paid it off. Yeah, building credibility, isn't it? So I mean, lots of change happening. Lots of moving parts in a business. Yeah. Um, a kind of regulatory shift. You mentioned it at the beginning. Is kind of given SteadyPay and AppTap place to, to play. Um, what's been the biggest challenge in setting up a business? You think? Um, you had to choose. Yeah, I've had to choose. It's a long list when you think you think about the challenges. I think um, the one of the challenges I like to talk about, and then we'll talk about what I think is the biggest challenge. One of the challenges I like, like to talk about is that, and I think this is true for a lot of a lot of startup founders, is you know, there's a lot of people early on when you're doing something quite different, mm. it's like, oh, that'll never work, and. The, the ability to... That's impossible. That's impossible. I, yeah. I, don't, see, I, I don't see that working. I, and I actually quite like hearing that. Yeah. Um, you now, whether it's just being you know, stubborn or obstinate, I don't, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, but, yeah, but, but actually <laughs> hearing that that's not going to work actually, I think, creates a lot more drive and a push to actually make those, make those, make those, make those things happen. Yeah. Um, and so the more you hear it, the more you can sort of you know, drive, drive through. But I think that's sort of the... I think is that founder mindset and the ability to be able to yes you're going to be flexible in terms of oh actually we're finding a lot of traction in this market or you know this is this, this part of the product is going better you know doubling down on there but being able to sort of continue to drive through into these you know open space yeah. funda, funda, fundamentally oh, blue oceans. is quite a is quite is quite a quite a good place to good place to be in um, and then I'd say you know probably the, the biggest uh, the biggest challenge for me is. And, and, and I think this is overarching for the, for, the, for the business is the constant reminder. It's not like a cliche, is that it is actually um, you know it, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. So a lot of the time you're trying to do everything in a day, and we all know we all know that you know exactly. actually we all we all overestimate what we can do in a short space of time and underestimate what we can do in a long space of time. And I think we put too much pressure on ourselves to get something done in, a, in, a, in that relatively short space of time. Yeah. And, I, and that's. True across the whole the whole business and the whole business team. So it's actually being able to try. Biggest challenge is being able to, from a cultural perspective, make sure everyone sort of understands that it is the marathon. No one gets super burnt out. Everyone understands the vision because people love working for purpose-driven organisations. And then how you sort of keep everybody sort of you know aligned as the environment, as you know what's what's cool or what's hot changes, and yeah. as you know things sort of change change over change over time. I think patience has been in the name of the game. Uh, yeah, yeah, which is which is funny, right? Because you know, startups go, startups go fast, but actually, you have to be, you know, you actually have to be super patient. And I think for yeah. you know, it's, an, it's interesting for one for us as we've transitioned from, I'd say, you know, a more B two C driven to now much more of a B two B, you know, embedding our parts of our solution into other people's uh, other people's platforms. Yeah. But it's back to that. It's actually helping uh, neo banks and uh, neo banks and wallets. Uh, you know, retain and monetize the users by embedding income smoothing, or embedding, um, in, embedding our, our credit building, or embedding our risk engine, because you know, they've they've struggled to approve customers for credit. Yeah, which is you know, no surprise. No, and people are struggling to even just digest open banking information. Right? Ex 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 exactly. So I think yeah, that on the open banking side of things, for for, for us, you know, we've tended to take the raw transactions and then. Process it from there. So I think it's, it's yeah. been an interesting case. A case for us. You know, a lot of people will try and sell you um, value-added services on it, um, and it's been a been a been a, been a, mix, been a mixed bag for yeah, us. Yeah. Um, you know, I would generally say that most most of the value-added services aren't worth it, or 
are not fit for purpose enough for us to be worth it. So, you know, the good example for, for, for us would be, um, you know, not naming, not naming any names, but let's say, um, you know, here's some transactions from Tesco. Um, just also turns out that this particular person works at Tesco. Mm. Um, and you know, you're seeing the, seeing the transactions come through and you know, both the positive and negative amounts are getting classified as uh, expenditure. Mm. Doesn't quite sound right, does it? Given that one of them is, you know, quite yeah, one, one, one of them, the large positive amount is their monthly salary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we've dealt with that, right? Like with um, stuff like Amazon, are you buying stuff on Amazon? Are you dropshipping, getting paid by Amazon? Or are you, um, you know, Amazon Prime, Audible, whatever member and all these different pay payments just labeled Amazon um, yeah. in and out and yeah. we just yeah kind of took the same it's approach of like screw it we just got unfortunately it. it's, yeah. it's an interesting mix and I guess it's a simple area but whether it's categorization or whether it's you know, other components of it you're finding that you sort of need to do it yourself and they're still seeing a, a level of variability across the banks and I mean I don't know what you guys you, you, you've seen but you know, I've also seen that given that you know there's that weird scenario where Oh, everyone, everyone still thinks that, it, you know, oh, so it, by now, uh, every bank does open banking, right? Yeah. But oh, c c what about Metro? Uh, no. no. Oh, what about, you Because know, they've got, be, got to build a business case, don't they? I mean, yeah. they've got to, they're not mandated, so they've got to put, uh, yeah, a, a use case around something that's going to cost them a fortune yeah. to build. Um, so lots of challenges uh, and conscious of time. So w what do you think is, you know, the, there are a lot of things, a lot of hurdles we have to overcome, but what gets you excited about open banking? Let's talk about the good stuff. Let's talk about the good, yeah, yeah. The good stuff. So what, what, what gets me excited, I think, is, the, is, is that opportunity to do things differently and make a fundamental difference in people's lives. So we, when we're thinking about it and thinking about our customers, both individuals and businesses, we're thinking in practical terms about how we make a fundamental difference. And as we move into this cost of living, inflationary environment, mm. the more positive impact we can, we can make for people by creating real solutions, you know, so income smoothing, building their credit score so they get a cheaper, cheaper interest rate at a traditional, a traditional outfit, um, you know, creating more cash flow smoothing solutions for their business. All of those things create a net positive impact in the in the in the world, yeah. and that's fundamentally what we're what what we're, what we're what we're looking to do. Um, and I think you know, and that's part of why I'm in a, um, speaking at Web Summit uh, next month. And the, my topic at Web Summit is, you know, can fintech help solve the cost of living crisis? So it's back to that ecosystem play. Yeah, it's kind of has to, of, uh, it? and it has to, right? Yeah. So, so it's like, how, 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 do we, how do we how do we pull together how do we pull together as a fintech collective? Mm. To actually help help solve it, because you know the politicians don't seem to want to help solve it. Um, so you know, let, let, let's let's try let's try a different approach. Yeah, I think we've um, we resonate a lot with that at, at, at Aptap, of course. And so on a, on similar vein, but on the topic of education versus automation, does it really matter at the end of the day if a consumer kind of knows what's what's happening? Do they, does it matter if they know what open banking is? I, I, to be honest, no. So from the, from the consumer's perspective, they have a job to get done, and the simpler, more seamless, and invisible we can make that job, the happier they are. So if behind the scenes it's open banking, great. If, if, if part of it is some embedded finance, also great. Now obviously you're not trying to hide anything from the, from the customer, they need yeah. to be you know, informed and aware. 
but at the same time, they don't want to read 500 pages about it either. No, when, no one when, reads when, terms and conditions. When was the last time anyone you know, read, read, you know, read, the, read, the, read the terms and conditions for anything? We, we give away your firstborn, except. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Phew, dodge the bullet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you know, no one reads terms and conditions. So from, from that perspective, people want simple, easy, embedded, and I think we're going to see more of that, uh, you, know, you mentioned earlier, consolidation within... Within, within the fintech landscape, but also you know some of that consolidation will be driven, and you know there's a lot of super app aspirations. Mm. Now you know that's going to be interesting to see how that how people want to pull how they want to yeah. pull, pull it together. I mean, obviously people will be using WeChat and others as the reference. Yeah. Um, but you know, is that going to work the same in uh, you know, UK, Europe, yeah. or US? Probably not. I, I imagine, know. yeah, um, and, it, and it's like which brand ends up owning that experience. It, it, and exactly, and, and people are a little bit shiftier in terms, you know, or, or less trusting in terms of uh, you know, trust it all to one brand. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't, you know, I don't think so. So, the, 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 you know, how many messenger apps is, is most people have on their phone at any one time? Yeah, um, yeah. fair enough. Okay, um, well. We're running low on time, so let's talk very quickly what comes next for SteadyPay, uh, and then if there's anything you want to plug to the floor, uh, now's the chance. Now's the chance. Uh, so next, um, we're continuing to grow heavily into our uh, B2B space. We've got a lot of uh, neobanks and marketplace partners uh, that we're going live with over the next sort of six months, and that'll take us well into sort of 2023. Um, and then from there, we're moving towards uh, you know our sort of next market, um, uh, which you know, we're, you know we're talking to a few players in terms of international markets. So it's you know, a combination of a few of the EU geographies are looking quite nice, um, as well as uh, a few of the red states in the US are actually quite nice from, a, from yeah. an expansion perspective, and where investors get get excited. I mean, as we're all seeing, you know, it's, a, it's a tough market to be raising capital in. So the quicker that a business can get. To, uh, to profitability, the better. Yeah. Um, and and you know, that's what we're well, that's what we're driving to. So we'll be profitable by Q1 23, um, which you know, puts us in a nice position for the next uh, the next next round of funding. Yeah. Um, which you know is part of that web summit. I'll be you know, looking for you know, to make connections with some of those investors for the next round. Sifting through tens of thousands of people. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Good fun though. Yeah. Well, sell you yeah. development services. <laughs> yeah. Or recruitment. But, yeah. <laughs> Cool. So, any, anything you want to plug beyond funding round? Um, um, I mean, well, I think everyone's <laughs> always, 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 always funding. So, I mean, for, for us, I'd say a uh, key plug is, you know, as uh, as an embedded finance provider um, with a fantastic open banking based, uh, you know, uh, AI driven um, credit risk engine that can solve um, you know the affordability problems for BNPL and and others, uh, you know. Our customers can and do you know, choose to plug in you know, whatever component of the stack works well for them. So for us, I think the key the key, the key plug is those that are you know, working for, with, or are related to you know, partner businesses in that neobank wallet marketplace or HR tech space that think you know, one of our one of our solutions will plug nicely in. Absolutely, reach out. We'd be love to talk to them. Brilliant. Well, John, steady pay. Thank you so much for coming down. Thank much you. Appreciate it. Making the trek over. East London. Um, and thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode of FinTech Walkabout. We'll see you next time.